The Lord be with you. Our reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they all saw him, they worshipped, but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Are you happy? Are you happy? More importantly, why do you answer in the way you just answered? Why are you happy or why are you struggling to find happiness or why are you unhappy? What are the factors involved? Family? Friendships? Relationships? Professionally? Spiritually? Why are you happy? Why are you unhappy? Happiness is, in the Christian life, a gift and a guarantee to those who follow the Lord with their whole hearts, their whole minds, and their whole soul. In fact, happiness is the end toward which we are all moving. Happiness is heaven. Happiness is perfect union, my soul with God. This is for which we were all created. And we can share in that happiness now, through a life of faith, through a life of charity, through a life of devotion and love. God offers us happiness. But in order to know what that happiness is, in order to strive after it, we need to first and foremost know who God is. The First Vatican Council teaches very clearly that we can know God or that there is a God through natural reason alone. We don't need the Bible. We don't need the church. We can simply look at the world and recognize there's something greater than me, than all of this physical world. There is something greater. We don't necessarily even have to name it God, but we can recognize that there's something that created, something that holds us in being. But this isn't enough for happiness. It's not enough just to know that there is a God. It's not even enough to know who the God is. 
But our God loves us so much that he reveals his whole self, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to each of us so that we can know it and live in unity with him now. Not just in heaven, but to know him, to love him, to serve him, to honor him, to be happy with him now. And this is the Trinity. It's one of the core mysteries of our faith. We cannot fully understand what it means for God to be one in substance, one in essence, and yet three in persons or relationships. We can't fully comprehend that, but yet that is who God is, and he wants us to know that. And he wants us to form our life in communion with his inner unity, his simple unity, his oneness, and yet his threeness. In his book on the Trinity, St. Augustine wrestles with this truth of our faith, and he sees trinities everywhere, but they all don't quite live up to what God is in and of himself. And as he gets toward his, he, where he's going to settle on this, he comes to the one image of the Trinity that makes the most sense, that's the easiest to relate to in our lives, love. Remember in 1 John 4, 8, we heard a couple weeks ago, God is love. So God's very nature is love. So therefore, the Trinity is love. And what does that look like? What does that mean? It means that there is a God who loves for, a lover. There is a God who receives love. There is a God who is the beloved. And then there's also this love that connects the lover and the beloved. In God, his love is so pure. His love is so great that it's productive. Each one of us is a product of God's love. Each one of us is held in being by God's love. And we can understand God in his very essence and nature, perhaps most keenly, through the eyes of love. And God invites us into this life. He doesn't just say, this is who I am, look at me. He says to each and every one of you today, this is what I want in your life. In the first reading, we heard from the book of Deuteronomy all of the amazing things that the God of Israel did for his people. Better and stronger than any other God. And yet God isn't done revealing himself. God comes as Jesus Christ and dies for our sins. God comes as the Holy Spirit and makes us, as St. Paul said in that second reading, sons and daughters of God. The unity, the simplicity, the beauty of the Trinity is also dynamic and productive. And to be in accord, to be in union, to be one with God is to walk with Him, to be productive as well. And this is why the gospel is so important today. What does it mean to be one with God? What does it mean for us to have ultimate happiness? To share in that inner life of God and to share it with others. Just as God is not content for us to simply know that He exists, He walks with us, in us, among us. And so it should be in our walk with the Lord. 
It's not enough to be a fan of God, to think, wow, God is so great. We have to strive to put that amazing, that powerful, that dynamic God into the center of everything we do. Ultimate happiness comes not from when we have a great spiritual life or a great professional life or those things working together, a great family life. Ultimate happiness comes when the one and three God is the center of each and everything in my life. And this is what it means to be a disciple. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you have it all figured out. And it doesn't mean that what you're doing right now isn't great and wonderful and to be lauded and praised. But what it does mean is that the life of the disciple is always a look to God, a recognition that I'm not quite there yet, but if I follow after, if I invite that into each and every place in my life, especially the dark nooks and crannies, that that God who is productive and united and powerful and mysterious in and of himself is going to bring me to that unity. Because though God is one and three, there is that inherent unity. And he desires that for each and every one of us. Yes, we can have some diversity, but if it doesn't lead to unity, to oneness with God, we will never have perfect happiness. Discipleship is hard, but discipleship is quite simple. It's a looking toward God, saying, I'm going to imitate the Lord in all that I do. And because God is one and three, because the second person of the Trinity becomes flesh with us, we have that paragon in Jesus. And because here's the other thing, we are now the adopted sons and daughters of God, we are one with the Holy Spirit. You are no longer foreign to God. God adopted you. And this is important too in our life of discipleship. It is not I, it is not you who chooses God, it is God who chooses you. And not just generically, oh, God loves everybody, but God who loves you by name. God who loves you to the very core of your being. God who loves you even though he knows you to be a sinner, to struggle, to need him. And yet when that God becomes the center of my life, when that God becomes the center of all that you do, you cannot help but have peace and joy and happiness and invite others to walk with you. That doesn't mean each and every one of you needs to go out and become like the next Billy Graham and do these crusades and bring thousands of people to the Lord. But it does mean you need to look at your life and especially your most intimate relationships and ask yourself, am I walking with this person toward the Lord? Is the living God the center of my life and this relationship or this particular thing that I'm doing? Your ultimate happiness rests in being a disciple, in God living, dwelling, and walking ever in your life. You're called to this, and you're called to go and baptize the nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.